Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm welcome to Movie Madness with Khalil Jamal, who's me, your host. I am joined with by Connor Andrews. How's it going, everyone? And this is our first episode ever for this amazing new podcast. There's a lot of fun stuff coming, but for now, hopefully you enjoy this. So what's first on the docket for today? Okay, so we got Free Guy and director Sean Levy has spoken about the future of the 2021 surprise hit movie starring Ryan Reynolds. So in this case, Sean Levy, the director of Stranger Things and Free Guy, Ha- and Dead- Deadpool 3, actually, has talked about the future of Free Guy and how a movie which was a surprise hit, one of the last Fox uh, movies pre-Disney buying them, which was delayed due to the pandemic, was still able to earn about $103 million in profit, make earning about 331 on a budget of $121 million, which every- is not- may not be getting a sequel. And when he said this, everyone was kind of shocked because if you make $103 million in profit in a movie which came out, you know, right after the pandemic when the box office wasn't strong and was a movie which people kind of just didn't give any credit to because it was at the end of that Fox era pre-Disney buying them, everyone was shocked when he said this. But it's interesting why he said this. So he said this because he said in a post-Barbie world, a uh, sequel's not likely because of how similar the stories are. So what he actually said, his full quote, which he gave to Collider was, quote, I think it's definitely not assured. We love Free Guy, and we love for Free Guy that has kind of resonated in Aftershocks, if you will, in the last couple of years. That's been thrilling to Ryan Reynolds and I. We are developing a sequel, but the truth is, that you now have Barbie that obviously left a mark about a character in a fictional world who comes to self-awareness. So we are, we're only going to make Free Guy 2 if it's different than the first movie and if it's different from other movies. So this is Sean Levy, the director. What do you think about this? This is kind of crazy. Yeah, I think it, it, I think it speaks volumes to just the impact of Barbie had on the box office and the world in general. If we look back at Free Guy, it's essentially the same kind of breakdown. It's that self-awareness arc. Ryan Reynolds' character is becoming self-aware in this video game. Barbie, again, she's in this Barbie land. She becomes self-aware and she goes on to the outside world, right? I wonder, though, if it's more of a product of how they would develop that second movie of Free Guy. If you think about it, how does Ryan Reynolds' character expand past either the video game or his first movie in general? I mean, I think it's weird because I agree with you to some extent, but I feel like it's also a little bit of almost... Maybe it's laziness on his part because in a sense, it's very likely, especially because of how successful Barbie was, that Barbie's going to get a sequel, right? So it's not like, oh, well, you made a movie about one kind of thing and therefore you can never make another movie about that same concept again because it's not like oh self-awareness this is the first time you've ever had a movie about someone being self-aware it's almost i feel like it's more of a of a lack of motivation on his part obviously he's got uh stranger things you know he's got the deadpool 3 there was a rumor that he might be directing an avengers movie he's got a lot of things on his plate i think this is more of a factor of him just really not being 
interested in making a Free Guy 2, which sucks because I really enjoyed it. And honestly, I'll be honest with you. I, w- I went in, I walked into the theater. I was really just, I was not, you know, excited about this movie at all. My brother wanted to go see it. So I was like, okay, whatever, let's go. And I walked into the theater. You know, it's Ryan Reynolds. He'll be fun. You know, even in Green Lantern, he was fun, even though that movie sucked. And <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And there were, it wasn't overstuffed with references. Like, if you look at, um, oh my God, the Spielberg movie, um, Oh my god. Ready Player One. That's the mm-hmm. one. So if you look at that movie, right, that was overstuffed with references to everything in existence in the video game world. This movie could have done that, and it didn't do that. There are a few really cool moments, uh, with one in particular with a lightsaber at the end, but it wasn't overstuffed, and I think that really made it so much better. And I don't think there's, you know, it's not like if Barbie doesn't, like if Barbie exists, you can't make another one. But I, I feel like this is more of him just saying it's not really a priority right now because I'm sh- again I feel like if he wanted to there would be support by the studio because obviously it was a success and you know studios like money and there would be support by other people right like there would be support by the audience and there obviously Ryan Reynolds seems to be interested in a sequel so it feels like um it, it has to be or at least the most likely scenario is that he is kind of just doesn't want to make it. Yeah, exactly. And I think you have that nostalgia factor with Barbie as well, right? That's why it garnered so much support, surpassing a billion dollars at the box office, right? I'm not sure if you get that same nostalgic factor when you look at a Ryan Reynolds movie or, in this case, Free Guy, right? Because, like you were saying, there are callbacks in the movie such as The Lightsaber, but it's a completely different movie, a completely different genre of movie. It's a comedy, right? Comedies are hard to do well at the box office. You'll get, sure, you'll get your $300 million, but Barbie's an outlier when it comes to something like that. And you have those big names like Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie that are carrying that movie. I would be interested to see if they refocus on Free Guy in a couple years and if Ryan Reynolds is up for it again because, like you're saying, he has a lot on his plate and showed us Sean Levy, right? Yeah, I mean, I think... I definitely think it's interesting, and obviously he was asked about this, so it's not like this was an unprompted statement. This was part of a formal interview. But it would be interesting to see if this... Maybe, because I it, obviously at any point a director could be lying, and it's not like it's out of the realm of possibilities that he's just lying because he wants to give an answer. They're developing it even though they have no interest in doing it. Because again, you know, you... you when you have so much on your plate, there's only so much you can actually do, right? So I think that is part of part of that, and that is a factor in all of this. So going on to the second topic, what what else do we have on the plate or the docket for today? Yeah, so we got Warner Bros. CEO, Dativ Slazlav, said that Warner Bros. IPs, including DC, Lord of the Rings, and Harry Potter, are all very underused. So... This is an interesting comment from a guy who has made himself very unpopular in the minds of anyone who follows, um, you know, the weird corporate goings on for these companies. Because David Zaslav has give has made himself the villain. He's fired people from CNN in uh, in moves which have made people kind of cringe. He's done things which have made him seem a little bit heartless. He obviously canceled Batgirl and then shelved it. Uh, in or completely destroyed it basically in order to get a tax break 
on the movie because he didn't want to release it. Obviously, he continued to push out the release of The Flash and a few other movies. Obviously, Aquaman is coming out soon. He, But this is an interesting statement from him. And I'll read you the quote. He says, quote, We haven't done anything with Harry Potter for more than a decade. We haven't done anything with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that he has a point there, but when you look at how much content they pushed out, during those times they were making movies, it's a lot of content. Look at Fantastic Beasts, for example. While that's separate from Harry Potter, that's still a huge franchise. Now, I'm wondering how you could develop Harry Potter more outside of all the movies they made. Lord of the Rings is a little bit different. Lord of the Rings, sure, there's a lot of content there. You have the books to steal from. Tolkien made so many books from that. But do we really want to see another lord of the rings remake or something that's entirely separate from the lord of the rings books such as the cimmerillion or something different than that so i think now you're a lord of the rings fan i know this and they obviously you saw at least a part of the lord of the amazon lord of the rings tv show (laughs) i wonder you know knowing the answer already i wonder what your feelings on that show was yeah well i you know what my answer is but uh I will say that, for me at least, media outside the books is hard to see as canon. And the Amazon Lord of the Rings TV show is exactly that. I think that Amazon played too much into the Game of Thrones aspect of making the Lord of the Rings TV show, and it completely backfired. Now, I will say that there were some elements of that TV show that were good and some elements that were just completely blown out, blown out of proportion, uh, not accurate at all to the books. So, I don't see it as canon, and I feel there's a sentiment that's similar to mine. So, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan, as you know, and I've seen the movies all once. I own one of them. I, I'm, I'm not a Lord of the, I'm a Harry Potter fan. So when we get to the Harry Potter kind of sub-segment of this, I'll I'll talk a lot more. But the only thing he's announced for Lord of the Rings so far, uh, obviously separate from the... Because the Amazon thing was a licensed thing, not a Warner Bros. thing, um, which I'm not even going to start to get into the, you know, the complications behind yep. that. I've tried to explain them to you, and, you know, that's as much... I'm, I know no one here cares about any of that, but... What he has announced is a Lord of the Rings animated movie, which does, and again, I'm, I don't remember or am familiar with any of the Tolkien stuff outside of the actual, like, main books, but he has announced an animated movie based on one of those kind of, I guess, other Lord of the Rings world stories, um, and I think he hopes that it can be kind of different and also similar. I know you aren't a huge fan of animated things in general, what is your th- what are your thoughts on an animated Lord of the Rings movie that follow one of these other stories in this world? Yeah, so it's it's been done before. Obviously, The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings animated movies back in the I believe the seventies were made. So it's not out of the realm of possibility for sure. I I personally like to see an animated movie, just see what's out there, right? I think movies are a lot different than TV shows, and we can get back to that you know, when we talk about Star Wars, right? But Movies are easier to grasp, in my opinion. They're not as stretched out as TV shows. 
so it's easier to follow. And yeah, I'd love to see a movie, animated movie for sure. And so when we talk about the Harry Potter side of this, right? Because he says, obviously, Harry Potter, they haven't done anything in ages. I Again, I'm assuming he doesn't count the Fantastic Beasts movies, which I'm pretty sure there's still a few. I, I know there are a few still slated to be released. I mean, there's a chance they don't even get made. But because obviously Ezra Miller was a part of those movies as well. And his career is in a little bit of a questionable state right now. Uh, Johnny Depp was a part of those movies. Um and we don't know what's happening with him in, in, in the franchise. I think he was, he was already replaced. But, you know, regardless, the Harry Potter stuff, they did announce a reboot. They announced the Harry Potter reboot. That's right. So, and I, I now, the granted, the interesting thing, because we just had this conversation about TV shows, they've announced the reboot in the form of a TV show, not in the form of movies. Which, look, at the end of the day, as a Harry Potter purist, I will tell you this. They do not need a Harry Potter... We don't need a Harry Potter reboot as a TV show or as movies. I understand why they're trying to do it, because money. However, I don't think it makes sense to do it like that. I think you don't make nearly as much money as you would like to, as we see with what Disney's done with Disney+, Plus when you have a TV show, because you... For a movie, and again, I'm going to be very simple here and very clear, when you have a movie, you you have people who... You pay to go watch the movie in theaters, right? That's money that the, directly the studio makes to some extent, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. again, a lot of complicated things involved. Very simply, the studio basically makes half of the box office. Right. And then they have to pay off the budget, right? And whatever's left is generally the revenue. Then you have the you know DVD sales and all this other stuff. With TV shows on streaming services, all you get is the money people paid already for the streaming service. You may not get any extra money. Plus, pirating is so much easier for TV shows than for movies just because the content, the way the content is available is very different. Uh, again, not getting into the technical details, but that's the situation. And how, how does that incentivize actors and actresses? Why would they want to work on that movie if it's just going to be streamlined directly to a streaming service such well, as Disney it, Plus? It would be a TV show. but uh, So it, it would be no different than working on any other TV show. It's again, you're when you're with Harry Potter, just like how when they cast the original cast, you're probably casting people who are relatively unknown for the main roles, anyways, and you're just selling them on the because at the end of the day, it's still Harry Potter, and being involved in Harry Potter is something which everyone's going to want to do. The interesting thing about Harry Potter, and again, you know, as someone who is a Harry Potter nerd and as you know, a very you know, is very much pro Harry Potter. Uh, pro the original version of Harry Potter, I think what everyone wants is a sequel to Harry Potter, right? Mm-hmm. They want to see the kids, they want to see the adult versions of the original people, very much, or even a movie adaptation of The Cursed Child, which is, of course, the play, which is technically the sequel to the movies, right? And it's, or even a prequel to Harry, but like a closer prequel kind of related to the family and all this other stuff, right? Harry's family and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's interesting that you're not getting that and they're going with the reboot, right? Because I think that I think the smarter play would have been to do sequels, direct sequels. When you say smarter play, are you talking financial? Or Financially. You... Okay. Financially, absolutely. I think that would be in the smarter... And I think, honestly, fans would have liked it more because the problem... Anytime you do a reboot and anytime you do... Anytime anyone's ever done a reboot of anything, you know this is exactly what happens. You always get the people who are the... You know, who hate it because it's a reboot, right? Right, right. Then if course. you do it badly... You screw everything up, right? Yep. yep. 
like when they even when you try to like adapt things to other mediums look at avatar the last airbender right the tv show amazing the movie oh absolutely garbage man <laughs> and now netflix is trying to re- do another live action tv show right so which looks actually really really good but that's the thing that we have to look at and have to kind of understand is there isn't the I don't think there is the market for a Harry Potter reboot. I mean, obviously there is because it's Harry Potter, but I don't think people are going to like it, which mm-hmm. hurts your end goal of trying to re- revive a brand which has kind of been dead for a long time. Well, exactly. I think if the if the actors and actresses were to endorse a TV show, maybe we would have a different conversation. But again, those are the actors and actresses that we grew up with. That's our Harry Potter, that's our Hermione Granger, right? That's our Ron Weasley. If they were to recast those people on a different TV show, then there would definitely be outrage. Now, if you're what you're saying, if they do a, a sequel to it when they're older, when they're adults, right, and they cast those same actors and actresses, then I think there might actually be a market for it. But as we've seen in different uh tv shows i mean lord of the rings amazon for example recasting those those characters has led to absolute chaos yeah and people get angry and and insufferable over their fandom anyway so it it all kind of relates now the other interesting thing and obviously the other thing that um dc or in terms of the dc part of this they have, I mean, DC, I don't think D- there's anyone could argue that DC is like, you know, not being putting out stuff because they continuously do, even though we tell them to stop putting out stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think that's an issue. Obviously they have some hits and then a lot and a lot of misses. Obviously the flash was a miss. Um, Blue Beetle was a financial miss. Black Adam, of course, financial miss again. And there. also like a literal miss because it was such an awful movie. Right. <laughs> um, Batman vs Superman Suicide, like the first Suicide Squad, even though I like that movie personally. Um, you know, all of these other DC movies are misses, right? Obviously, uh, the Batman was a hit. Still didn't make more money than Doctor Strange. However, it's a hit. And you have all of these movies. But they did announce the James Gunn DC Universe, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing under this new regime that they did announce for DC Obviously, this is a new start to DC. We haven't... I mean, Blue Beetle kind of is the first one, but also not really, because Aquaman comes out after and it doesn't count. Also, Shazam was a miss. I forgot about that one. Um, but this... Yeah, I think this is a... a this is a complete... Uh, this is an interesting thing for him to say. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the past, right? It, even the comic books, they've always tried to reboot the DC Extended Universe. I mean, look at the Crisis comic books, right? They've done like 10 of them. We've told them to stop. They keep doing them. It's the same thing with the films. I mean, back in the 2000s with Green Lantern, that was re- the really tried to first kickstart of the DCU. Obviously, it was an epic fail, but we keep trying to restart the DCU, and it keeps ending poorly. At a certain point in time, is it quality over quantity or quantity over quality, right? Well, we should discuss about how Marvel has been so successful and how they built the Marvel Extended Universe, right? So it's interesting because that you say Marvel because if we look if we, let's compare what they've ta- what DC's done to Disney and what or sorry what Warner Bros Discovery whatever the hell it's called now it keeps changing its name every other year, <laughs> but let's look at the, what they've done compared to Disney. 
So Disney acquires IPs, and they use them to death. Mm -hmm. So let's look at some of the things they've acquired. They've acquired Pixar. What have they done with that? Oh, they've made a lot of movies. They acquired Marvel. What did they do with that? They made the most profitable franchise ever. Right. The They acquired Star Wars. What have they done with that? Well, they continuously try to do it, and for the most part, they've had relative success doing it. Yep. They've acquired, they acquired Fox, and they continue to use those properties, those IPs. Obviously, Fox is probably the biggest thing they've acquired because it's multiple different IPs. Obviously, they haven't used the X-Men or Fantastic, Fantastic Four yet. Exactly. But I'm sure, obviously, they, they intend on doing They've announced the Fantastic Four movie. You know, they've hinted at mutants. So, it's in, I think Disney has no issue using the IPs they have. They're not sitting on anything. They had Star Wars. They could have done the Harry Potter thing where they basically just sat on it. No, no, no. We're doing more movies. Three more movies. Oh, we're doing TV shows now, right? We're going to do these Rogue One and Solo and all this other stuff. They obviously announced so much of stuff that they've canceled since the failure of, of Solo, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. soon, um, just to rub some more salt in, the, in that wound uh, for Disney. But it's interesting because Disney has no issues using IPs, and Warner Bros. has lots of issues using IPs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's intriguing to me why Warner Bros. fails to see their potential in these different IPs while Disney's capitalizes on them. Now... Warner Bros. does have Universal Studios. Disney has its theme parks, right? But something that differs from the Universal Studios and the Disney themes parks is that Disney really does capitalize on its media. Well, Universal Studios is interesting because technically Universal is Universal Studios. Warner Bros. just gets a a massive paycheck to have the Harry Potter stuff there. Um, But it is an interesting situation because, again, you know... And also Universal distributed all the Harry Potter movies. Anyways, not, again, not going to get into that stuff. But it is an interesting thing because Disney's obviously a much more diverse company and Warner Bros. is not. Obviously, they were when they were acquired by AT&T and then when they were sold off by AT&T, they suddenly became a lot less diverse again. So it's an interesting situation that they're in. Yeah, and if, sure. you, look at, if you look at the markets that Disney's in as well, that really plays into the international box office when they release these movies. I mean, China is a big, big example of that. When you release a movie into China, you have that entire population in China that is willing to go out and see your movie if you're recognized like Disney is. And also there is the whole deal with the Chinese government and how Disney has a good relationship with them and therefore they are willing to play ball because China... Uh, because of the way the country works and the way the government works, they only let in the government only lets in movies which won't severely either like they have good reason to let them in because they do like to have movies which are gonna help which their own domestic movies to get a lot of airtime, which is why when you look at release dates, typically the Chinese release date for major American Hollywood movies, is significantly later than it is everywhere else in the world just because they like to give their own movies time to make money before they bring in the stuff that everyone else is going to. Now, Disney, again, has done a great job of getting day-and-date releases for a lot of their movies in, in countries like China, which is a very big thing because that helps them make the money, especially for Marvel. Now, Star Wars, obviously, it makes basically no money in China, mm-hmm. right? It makes all its money domestically. But an Avatar, similar thing, 
right? A lot the the majority of its box office is made in in the U.S. and not made in China, right? But mm-hmm. it is an interesting thing because those relationships do matter when you're trying to make money as well. Right, exactly, and it's smart of Disney to uh, have these these lines in in their movies that they can essentially just throw away, so that they have that they have, they maintain that good relationship with the Chinese government. Well, I, I think moving on, I think we should talk about how uh, Simon Kingberg, who's the Dark Phoenix director, basically spoke about his own now canceled Boba Fett movie, and uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, so he. So the director of that disastrous movie, Dark Phoenix, now obviously he's written a whole bunch of other things, and I'm pretty sure he was he was going to be writing this this uh, Boba Fett movie, not directing it, but he talked about a little bit about what he wanted to do with it, and he said, and this is what he said, quote, tonally like Logan, on the edge of R-rated, though I don't think you'd have a Star Wars movie that could be R-rated, but at any rate, I think over time my role morphed as a friend of the court and so it ranged from being a consultant on the movies give thoughts notes sometimes actual pages for scripts and obviously co-creating star wars rebels and really stay staying with that show that i loved part of what was so exciting about rebels was that we were able to do something that those movies i just mentioned didn't entirely do which is create a brand new set of characters and it's interesting that he says this Obviously, he was again. You know, he was going to be writing the solo, uh, the Boba Fett solo movie, which was supposed to come out with Jabba, Jabba the Hutt, and a whole bunch of other crazy movies. But then Solo was a massive box office failure, only making like three hundred ninety-three million. When you think about the fact that every other Star Wars movie has made over a billion dollars, is a huge disappointment. Which is also the point where they stopped producing Star Wars movies, and we haven't seen a Star Wars movie uh, pretty much since. And obviously, outside of the trilogy outside of finishing the trilogy and it was then brought back as an underwhelming disney plus show mm-hmm. so i wonder what your thoughts are because obviously you know the i think we can both agree that show is underwhelming yeah no uh, absolutely but i think we could talk about a little bit more of why solo's box office was such a failure if you look at the last jedi which was only released months before solo star wars had never been like that before when was a Star Wars movie released back-to-back like that? It never occurred. So when Solo released right after The Last Jedi, which, mind you, was extremely divisive, it pissed off a lot of fans. People didn't want to go out to see Solo. Why should they? They didn't like Last Jedi. It upset them, right? Kathleen Kennedy. No one likes Kathleen Kennedy, right? It's We're all George Lucas people. Kathleen Kennedy, uh... She uh she pissed off a lot of fans when she when she made the Last Jedi. So Solo's box office failure is not entirely in the script. While it was very prolonged and boring, I think it's more a factor of the Last Jedi's approach and how it affected a lot of fans' mindset. So I'm gonna say something controversial now because I have to. <laughs> we get we get to the Star Wars topic that I gotta, absolutely that I gotta be controversial here. I loved Solo. And I think there's a good segment of people who watched it, obviously, based on the box office, not that many people watched it. But I think most people who watched it loved it, right? And I think it was a... I I was someone who was very anti... I mean, you know, if you go to my YouTube channel, which exists, again, you know, little self-plug there, um, CB Media Network. But the if you look at... I did a solo rea- trailer reaction when it first came out. You go back and you watch that. 
I was so against the new casting for Solo. It was crazy. I was so annoyed. I was like, "There's this is going to be awful, right? And it it I, I turned out to enjoy it. it. Obviously, you know, there's still something about recasting. Obviously, you talked about this with Harry Potter, right? There's mm-hmm. something about recasting iconic characters. But I really enjoyed it, and I didn't think I was going to. I also loved, loved Darth Maul, and so when you have Darth Maul show up in a movie, that's that's amazing. Yeah. But I I wanted a sequel to that movie, the solo movie, and obviously we didn't get that, and you know it looks like we're never going to get that. But I thought it was I thought it was great, and I think that they made a mistake not trying to pursue a movie like Boba Fett because Boba Fett is a character who I think I was really excited to see get his own movie, and then it turned out he was just this old guy who needed to be you know put in a back to tank for half the show <laughs> yeah no it's it's interesting that you bring that up because when you look back at how boba fett has been depicted in earlier star wars media he's more of just this mysterious guy who doesn't really talk so when exactly when they said they were going to come out with a boba fett movie or tv show there was so much hype around it because it's oh we're getting this guy who we don't really know his character that well we're going to get this character development, we're going to get this TV show, and it's going to be awesome. Well, turns out it wasn't. But I think the biggest thing about Boba Fett and that TV show, this is controversial as well, is that his actor was just not that good at acting. I, I think that he was a dull and, and boring guy. It really was. And and the supporting characters he had around him, mind you, when Cad Bane came in, I think he was the greatest part of that TV show. But it was dull and boring. I think... So My one of my philosophies is that a script makes a, is, makes a movie or a show more than anything else, right? And I think that the show itself was more of a factor of its script and its story than it was anything else and I'll, I'll go a little bit further than that actually because I think even more so the failure of Boba Fett uh, the book of Boba Fett sorry as a show was probably that what it, it wasn't like Logan right and again you know I've talked at nauseum about my thoughts on the book of Boba Fett however the one thing I say which I think doesn't get enough you know like I think that people don't realize enough is this. The concept of the Book of Boba Fett was amazing, right? Having this old, you know, a little bit bitter and also a little bit, you know, of a different kind of character for Boba Fett and him trying to kind of be this new crime lord pretty much after literally serving crime lords his entire life and his father technically serving crime lords, although in that case it was the Separatists, right, in the right. Clone Wars. right. Is a very interesting concept, right? And him trying to take over Jabba the Hutt's territory is an interesting concept. And then having the Hutts be obviously annoyed by that and trying to stop him is an interesting concept. Yeah. However, they got away from that and they stopped doing that. Well, exactly. And that's the thing, right? They, they completely got away from it. And the fact that they threw in two solo Mandalorian episodes essentially in the middle of the TV show. Well, one Ahsoka episode, one Mandalorian yeah, exactly. episode. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 like, what's going on here, guys? We could have just made this a little miniseries, three episodes. It didn't need to be an entire season. I think it could have been an entire season, though. I just 
I don't think you needed the boat, like the random Mandalorian and the random Ahsoka episode that were shoved into that, you know. Show. Yeah, yeah, and and also I think it's a matter of also which worked in the Mandalorian but didn't work in Boba Fett was the multiple directors that came in and kind of did their own take on it. Ryan Rodriguez, for example, his directing style was very similar to what he did with Spy Kids back in the day. If you look at the action scenes, they're very spy kid almost-esque, right? They're not entertaining. They're very slow and boring. And that's what also kind of makes this this TV show not so great. Is It's not just the acting. It's the, the directing itself, which is very bland. There's also a lot of, like, the Cybertronic kids or yeah. Cybernetic kids or yep. whatever the hell uh, that were, like, the kind of villains... The whole weird thing with the Tusken Raiders being human beings and yeah. not like, you know, like, I don't know. There's a lot of weird, silly stuff in that show, yep. which weren't wasn't necessary. And I think, I think that, like, I loved Logan, okay? Just to get kind of, you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, no, I loved Logan too. It was a great movie. And I thought it did something that no other Wolverine movie had ever done for Wolverine, right? Which is made him like this old, bitter kind of, you know, like you know, cra- like kind of like cool character, yep, right? Yeah. Like like Wolverine, he wasn't this weird dude. He was this cool, you know, kind of almost like action hero esque character, which I don't think we really. I mean, apart from the the Wolverine, which was the only other movie which he was really on his own, we never really got to see that action heroy side of him. Right. And I think the Logan did that amazing, right? You got to see a lot of this post-apocalyptic world, the crazy Professor X, right? Like all yep, of this stuff. Yep. And, it, and you really got to see what I think the character's essence was. Obviously, you got him mentoring X-23 as well, right? And I think having a situation where Boba Fett was a similar concept, either as a movie or as a TV show, to Logan, where you got a little bit more of like him being brooding, right? Him being a little bit more aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. Him saying, look, I've... You know, I worked for a bunch of people. My father, obviously, Jango Fett, worked for a bunch of people in the, you know, in the Clone Wars and all that. Right. I Jedi killed, obviously, killed his father in front of him. He, there, obviously, he was killed by a Jedi, right? Like, there's all of this yeah. stuff, and it's like, or I guess he was killed in air quotes by a Jedi, but like, there's all of this stuff, and I think it just all kind of came out as like. Well, I'm defeated, and thank you, Tuscan Raiders, for making me like a good person or something. <laughs> yeah. Like it just there's so much weird, silly stuff in that show, which really bugged me because I think when you look at Logan, it's like, yes, I want that. Give me more of that because that's the kind of character I would expect from an old, you know, salty Boba Fett. I won't. I don't expect a, you know, this silly Star Wars character where you shove two random episodes of other shows into the show, right? Right. Like, you're right. We got a character who, in the entire original trilogy, barely, basically said, like, one word. Yeah. And there's so much you could do with that character, and yet you you kind of wasted it. And I think, as much as I'm getting frustrated, I think think he's right. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, also with Cad Bane especially, I would love to have seen an interplay between Cad Bane and Boba Fett's character. To introduce Cad Bane... And then kill him. And then kill him is absurd. You should have introduced him in in the beginning of the TV series and then expanded on that relationship between them. We hear all this talk about, oh, he was a mentor to Boba Fett. They, they, They fought together. They did all this stuff, bounty hunting together. 
why don't we get any of that? So it's interesting because so I'm a fan of the Clone Wars TV show. Mm-hmm. Me too. I loved it. My favorite episodes in the Clone, obviously outside of the episodes of Ahsoka, you know, one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of those episodes, which was you know most of them, but still, the my favorite kind of sub story in that show was the bounty hunter team. Yeah. Right. The bounty hunter team was a few bounty hunters. Cad Bane, uh, Boba Fett were included in that. Yep. And they would go do a bunch of crazy things. They would you know pull off crimes, whatever. Right. That was the most interesting thing. Or one of the most interesting things in that show, and when you, they told when they announced initially the book of Boba Fett being a TV show, I was like, oh my god, this might be a better opportunity than a movie. Do you know why? Because the opportunity for this is you can bring back some of these characters. Obviously, Cad Bane, you know, we think he's dead, but he may not be dead. Right. Obviously, it turned out he wasn't dead. Right. Um, you know, all these other bounty hunters, a lot of them just kind of vanished after the Clone Wars. We never really saw them die, right? And it would be very interesting to see. A bounty hunter show, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I that's mean, what the Mandalorian was supposed to be. Exactly. I, it's it's intriguing because it's something that's aside from just lightsabers and clone troopers. You get more character development, I argue, with the bounty hunters because they're more entertaining to watch. It's not just the bland clone trooper or the Jedi. It's bounty hunters. Who doesn't like bounty hunters? And the other part of that is also like, look at the like. Look at the types of characters you get in Star Wars, right? Because I think when you move away too much from kind of what makes Star Wars Star Wars, you get a little bit of a like. There's a little bit of a problem, especially with the audience kind of being able to enjoy it. Yeah, I don't think the I think the bounty hunters are kind of more of what makes Star Wars Star Wars than anything else. And I think we never really got a true bounty hunter th- like you know show. Obviously, the Mandalorian again was supposed to be that. We got IG88, you know. A version of IG-88 yep. in that in that show. Obviously, the beginning he was very uh, the Mandalorian was very pro bounty hunter, and then it just became the you know the Iron Man of of this <laughs> new, of this new mini Star Wars right. arc, right? right? Like like it just it became again kind of silly, right? And I think Mandalorian season three was a little bit silly. Mm. I think there was I I think season one was fantastic, one of the best things Star Wars has ever Disney Star Wars has ever done. Absolutely. Yeah. I think after that got a little silly. Um, but I think, and I think Andor again. I think Andor again being one of the best things Star Wars has ever done is a testament to what people want from Star Wars. And I think again, a bounty hunter show where you get to show some of these cool characters and cool aliens who everyone loves would is the, is the perfect way to do that. A hundred percent. I completely agree with it. I mean, even if you think back to the original movies, just getting to see the mystique of Boba Fett. And all that he was, he was respected. Vader respected him. I mean, if you look at how he dealt with Han Solo, Vader was like, I'll pay for Han Solo if something happens to him. That's because he respected Boba Fett. And that's what we needed in that show. We needed to see that respect that Boba Fett had. His fighting abilities, his fighting capabilities. We got none of that. I mean, my biggest gripe with the Empire Strikes Back is that we only we like we got to show Boba Fett a little bit, and we never got to see any of the bounty hunters he was competing against. To because obviously he sent a whole bunch of bounty hunters to try Vader did to try to find Han Solo. Right. We only saw Boba Fett. Kind of annoyed me a little bit because I really wanted to see more of that. Again, one of the reasons I think A New Hope is better than Empire Strikes Back, 
that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. Um, we could talk for hours about that one oh, for sure. Absolutely. I think most people could. Um, now we're going to go into something different, a little bit different. So I've, I've watched a bunch of movies, and I want a, a way to talk about movies I've seen recently. They can be, they're old, some old, some new. And so this is a segment we're doing called Pick and Pass, and this will be a thing, hopefully weekly, uh, depending on if I can watch enough movies to make this segment actually possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, which should be should be fine, but it'll be, and it won't necessarily just be movies. It may be TV shows, it may be other things, because, you know, I'm, or games or books, right? Uh, this is something which we do actually on our other podcast um, pretty much weekly, and it's, it was such a fun part of that, so I decided to bring it here. Um, so I've got a few movies. I'm basically pick or pass means I'm gonna either say yes, you should watch this, or no, you should avoid this um, at all costs. Mm-hmm. Um, because something, you know, when people are looking for things to watch, what's the best way to do that? Then just tell them what they what should, they watch. should watch. Exactly. exactly. Yep. <laughs> now you don't spend hours looking through Netflix or something. Okay, and these will all be things that are you know available somehow either through a streaming service or through. Uh, you know, in theaters. So, the first thing I watched now, the good thing about being on a plane for like, God knows how long, two flights, one there and one back, um, a few weeks ago, is that you watch a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of to the point of it being very bad, um, but also great because then I get to catch up on stuff. So I got to watch a few movies which I hadn't had a chance to see. And one of those was Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. Interesting. So now I'm not a huge Transformers fan. I was a huge Bumblebee fan though because I thought that was an amazing movie. I thought that was a, and I think that was one of those cases where you get a really good action director mm-hmm. directing a movie. Yep. Michael Bay is not a good action director, by the way. I think it should just be pointed out. <laughs> oh wow! Um, but you get an action director who directed a good movie, and it worked because you had a good action. I think action movies only work if you have a good action director and you have a good star. When a star is a robot, it's a little bit easier to do an action movie. Right. And I think bu- that's why I love Bumblebee. Don't didn't love any of the other Transformers movies. I didn't love this one either. I'll be honest with you. I'm not. I would t- not tell anyone to watch this. Even Transformers fans, honestly, even if you're a fan of the Michael Bay stuff, because I think this is a worse version of the Michael Bay stuff, and it's also not good. Like it's just also just plain not good. The action not good. The story. I was bored. And again, you know, normally I get very in- invested in movies when I'm watching them on a plane because I literally have nothing else to do. Sure. Right. You know, I'm just, just sitting there. I'm watching a movie. I literally can't do anything. I literally can't even move. Right. Like. Yep. It, but I was so bored in this movie, and I was just like, "Is this going to end?" I kept looking at how long it was left. Like it just ran and ran, and I was surprised because again, you know, coming off Bumblebee, I was like, okay, maybe they finally figured out what Transformers post Michael Bay was. And then I realized Michael Bay was a producer on it. And then it made me think, okay, well clearly he had some say in this because there was no story in this. There's just a lot of fighting. They, they did some half, you know, half thrown together story like they did with the Michael Bay Transformers movies. But I just don't think even had some of the, you know, at least the fun, engaging explosions that the Michael Bay movie had. Right. Um, they did try to, I mean, give them some credit for trying. I don't know if Transformers movies will ever can work as, like, a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they tr- Like, they tried to do a focus on one character again, and but then they really didn't end up doing that. So I think that would probably be the reason I would tell people just don't watch this thing. Just stay away from it. 
Yeah, also the actors are just unremarkable, like the human actors. I hate human actors in movies like this. Even like Godzilla and King Kong, like anytime you have humans, I'm like, why? They're just they're just irrelevant. Just let's see the fighting between the the things that matter, right? If that's what if that's what the goal of the movie is, then that's what we should get, right? Like exactly. you don't don't try to shove in a story like they did this with Godzilla, uh King of Monsters, they or, or Kong Whichever one, I mix all those movies up. But yeah, they're all the same, right? All those monster movies. But, like, you know, it was the Godzilla one with Millie Bobby Brown. But it's like, why are you trying to put a human story in it? Or even Godzilla vs. Kong, right? Yep. Like, yep. again, that was a movie where, it's like, you're trying to throw humans in it. And it's like, why are you trying to do that? Clearly, that's not your goal. You don't care about these people. <laughs> like, people aren't going to get mad at you for just having a bunch of monsters fight each other. No, it's awesome. We all want to see that, right? So, the other one I saw is interesting. Actually, have you seen anything? Do you want to talk about not on the list currently, no. Anything else? Anything you've seen that you want to tell people to watch or not watch? Well. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, I know. Yeah, well, I I did see Oppenheimer. Ooh, okay. And uh, I know there was a lot of built-up hype for Oppenheimer. But it's not a movie I would recommend in the sense wow. that. Wow. In the sense that you should go just jump up in your seat, go to see it. Very underwhelming, to say the wow. least. Wow. It's, it's prolonged significantly. I mean, essentially halfway through the movie is what you really want to see. The other half is just nothingness. You could leave halfway through the movie and you'd be satisfied. The other half, you don't want to be seeing the other half of that movie. Wow. I mean, I heavily disagree with you on that one. Okay. I loved Oppenheimer. I thought, I mean... I don't, I'm not willing to go and again, you know, to plug my own other podcast, um, there was a whole discussion on if Nolan's overrated because people are calling this the most, the greatest movie ever made or the most important movie ever made and all this other stupid stuff. Interesting. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was really interesting. I thought Robert Downey Jr. for the first time didn't seem like Iron Man. Yeah. And which is again, hard to do without a great director. I thought it was weirdly an interesting and engaging movie the entire way through it didn't feel as long as it was uh, but it's interesting that you didn't like it i mean i would have to disagree with that personally but you know yeah i mean i just i just feel like the first half of that movie was the best part of that movie they i like i said you could have been satisfied if they just kept that first half of the movie in the second half kind of felt felt unnecessary it felt like you were just trying to add more to something that you didn't need to add more to yeah, it's interesting. I think, I, again, I feel like it was valid, um, but I understand where you're coming from on that, for sure. So the other movie I saw on the plane was the Super Mario Bros. movie. Now, I would the reason I didn't want to watch this was because I have this dislike for Chris Pratt, and... Really, as a Marvel fan, a dislike. Oh, I I hate him as Star Lord. I hate him as Star Lord. Like I hate him with a passion as Star Lord. I find him whiny, complaining, and annoying. And when I find an actor playing characters consistently, it it was the same reason I dislike Mark Wahlberg. Right? Mm -hmm. It's just when you play characters who I just find annoying constantly. I just start to find, just then I just start to look at everything you do as annoying. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing for him was that. I was like I didn't know how this movie was gonna go, right? Right. right. Because he obviously does not sound like Mario. Yeah. 
<laughs> but well, <laughs> it ended up working out. It, it, the way the movie's done is actually pretty smart, and it's okay that it doesn't sound like Mario, which made it a little bit better just because they made it made they made it make sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and then I was all of a sudden like, okay, you know what? I'm good with this. And the rest of the movie was relatively entertaining, uh, which is why I would definitely say that people uh, should definitely watch this. Uh, even people who were like me, you know, interested but not interested enough to be willing to watch Chris Pratt. Um, I am glad I didn't watch it in theaters, though, because I would not have wanted to spend, like, 15 bucks to watch this thing. Yeah, I, I went to go see it with my little sister, so I guess I had a good excuse, but... Did you did you enjoy it? I thought it was, I thought it was decent, yeah. I, I liked it. The Chris Pratt thing was my biggest worry, and so I'm glad that it wasn't. I also like... I like Jack Black as well. I think I think he, he brings a lot of good acting to comedy movies, so him as Bowser I, I thought was, was pretty decent. Now, with that being said, I want to thank everyone for listening to our podcast. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to start to wrap it up now. I want to thank Connor for coming, taking time out of his very busy morning to come and do this. Yeah, thanks for having him on. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, I'm I'm hopefully we'll have you on again. Um we'll see what happens with next week. I'm still trying to figure that out. I know this is a little bit bumpy for the first episode, but thank you everyone for watching. Hopefully it was enjoyable uh, i will say if you in if you want to see more stuff similar to this um i would tell you to go check us out on instagram at comic boys underscore obviously you know we have we're going to be launching a few new podcasts there with a bunch of new faces so that's always going to be interesting um if you want to see i mean obviously Connor, you run the social media stuff for us and yep. the instagram stuff for yep. us so you know you you're involved at that too um and stay tuned for next week when we will be back with another episode. Again, hopefully it's re- there's some things I'm almost like got in the bag. So if I can get everything lined up, then hopefully it'll be back. We'll be back and better than ever. But again, thank you so much for uh, coming out today, and thank you all for listening. And we'll see you all next time. I'm again your host, Khalil, and. I'm joined again by Connor Andrews, so... Absolute pre- pleasure. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. And everyone have a good day. Bye.